Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens. Brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Back with another episode of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with most of the guys, uh, Roger Marsh, John Rush, myself, Bob Duco, Neil Boron, not with us this week. He's off in Bora Bora somewhere sitting under a palm tree. That's okay. He's in Boron Boron. That's not. Oh, oh, that's like a dad joke, right? Oh, man. That's bad. I know. You guys get this. Oh, my kids still. (laughs) I know exactly. Oh, I get ripped by my. I got six boys, and all six of them. Like, dad, please don't don't try the humor thing. Just don't. All right. You lost your sense of humor when we were five. All right. Whatever. Exactly. (sighs) Okay. This week. We're going to talk about EVs, electric vehicles. Uh, they seem to be growing in popularity in some areas. They, they are being, I would argue, f- attempted to be forced on us by the government. You've got the Biden administration that says, hey, if you've got a problem with gas prices, well, just go buy an electric vehicle. That's the thing to do. Uh, we've got Debbie Stabenow here in Michigan, our, my own senator, who was just insensitively a few weeks ago going, I drive past all these gas stations and just smile when I, I see that. how expensive the gas is. You know, just get an electric vehicle. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, how many people are watching that going, you know what, I just don't have fifty or $60,000 to get a baseline uh, electric vehicle, let alone more if I want something uh, better than that. And so there's just a lot of insensitivity surrounding this, but there are pros and there are cons with electric vehicles. And this week, we're going to explore all of that. Now, uh, I I don't own an electric vehicle. And to be honest with you guys, I'm very much out of my element when it comes to EVs, okay? I know they run on electricity, okay? That's about what I know. Uh, however, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, he owns and drives an electric vehicle. Okay, you AOC Green New Deal lefty. That's me. Uh, <laughs> that's John. Uh, so, no, no, look, EVs are, um, they're not automatically for liberal left-wing Green New Deal-minded kind of people. No, they're not. There they're are not. some That's practical true. benefits That's for right. them also. So there is a certain bipartisan nature to them, but they seem to be perceived, John, as being more of a left-wing, you got to drive an EV to reduce the carbon emissions so that you can save the planet from global warming and climate That's change. Right. I know That's, That's not right. your driving force, but... Let me toss it over to you, John, because okay. you're the you're the resident expert here. Okay, what are EVs? How do they work? How are they really different? And kind of give us an EV one hundred and one to start, if you would. And and I want to make sure I'm very clear on this on the front side. Bob explained a lot. Yes, I own one, and I'll make it public. Anybody that's listening to my show knows what I own. So I have a Chevy Bolt. That's a not a Volt, but a Bolt with a B, like boy. So B O L T. And I'll give you a little of the details on on my vehicle and how it works in a moment. But EVs are electric vehicles. And yes, they run on electricity. But keep in mind, everybody, it's stored electricity. And I am not an anti-EV person by any 
way, shape, or form. In fact, I love technology. I've been an automotive guy my entire life. I've got an automotive show that I do on Saturdays where we talk a lot, a lot of these particular topics. I owned repair shops for some, you know, 30 plus years. So I don't know that I would consider myself the total expert on EVs, but I bought one purposely several years ago so that as someone in radio and the different shows I have and the different things that I do, I would be more educated on them and be able to talk to them in a very specific manner, which by the way, a lot of folks on the left and the right can't do. There's a lot of stuff that gets thrown out there. And guys, I'll just say it straight up. I'm a car guy and I'm typically a car advocate. You always hear somebody talking about how, well, I never should have bought such and such car. And they blame it on the car. Truthfully, in most cases, it's the person and what they bought that was the problem, not the car. And what I mean by that is people buy cars that aren't intended for the uses that they're having, you know, that they're being put through today. And everybody wants to blame the car and, and, you know, how it breaks and this, that, and the other when, in fact, they never bought the right car in the first place. And I kind of feel EVs fit into some of this as well. It's a trendy thing at times to buy one and I'll tell you this as well it's also an anti-trendy thing for certain people and it's some of what I want to get into today with you guys is even the the Christian aspect and how we view it because I think there's a lot of conservatives that will even put down individuals that drive an EV because I've heard that myself by the way and I don't think that's fair either I think we need to look at this very openly what is an EV what are the benefits you know what are the pros what are the cons you know who who are they right for and I will tell you straight up right off the bat guys they are not for everyone and I can get into why that is the case and again not trying to step on anyone's toes that that are out there even the folks that are trying to to sell these and and market them and so on but they are not a vehicle for everyone they in my opinion until major changes are made they will never be an everyday driver for every single driver out there not in the next 10 years like they're planning all right. And by the way, John, uh, I don't think anybody should criticize you for, any conservative should criticize you for driving an electric vehicle because, hey, this is America, and you have every right to be an AOC-loving, tree-hugging, environmentalist <laughs> wacko. You have every That's right true. to do that. That's right. Okay? That's so right. I'm not going to criticize you. No, I'm just Matter of fact, Bob and I are going to go out and get handcuffed with fake handcuffs just in your honor. Yeah. That's hilarious. We're going to do the AOC, Ilhan yeah. Omar, handcuff ourselves to a tree, wrap your arms around it, and then wave to the camera <laughs> and really quick Bob you're you know you're in Detroit so you know you're in Motor City yeah. uh, which right. you know there's a huge push coming from both Ford and GM we'll talk about that a little bit Roger right. you're in Southern California just a huge push there in in just oh, yeah. the generalities of what even Bob was saying a moment ago about AOC and that whole movement and I've always said this I've, I've been saying this even since you know, I've been on air this long guys when the Prius first came out and I've said mm-hmm. this I'll stand by this until I go to the grave if you think you're ever saving the world, the planet, which, by the way, doesn't need saved, you know, we, right. that's a whole other topic that we can get into right. at a later date. But if you think you're saving the planet by buying any vehicle, I don't care what it is, you're sorely mistaken because the amount of energy and what you've done to create said product far outweighs the current vehicle that you're driving. So anybody out there that says, oh, yeah, I'm going to save the planet by buying an EV, you're a fool for saying that. Yes, That's right. And you're, you're absolutely right. The planet is not in any kind of need of saving, okay? CO2 emissions are not 
causing the earth to uh, heat up, burn up, the whole climate change thing. It's not. Uh, do CO2 emissions, can you argue they contribute to uh, warming? Well, sure. In the same way, me dumping a Pepsi into a river is contributing to flooding, but it's not causing right. the flooding. Uh, the, the fact is the temperature of the earth has fluctuated up and down, up and down. And we're all old enough to remember the 1970s. I graduated in 1978. The big thing then was global cooling and the coming ice age and it was on in all the newspapers and the headlines and such uh then suddenly it's like well that's not working anymore so the 80s turned into acid rain then the 90s it was time for the warming trends oh hey let's go global warming well then in the 2000s to 2010s it's like oh wait a minute here global warming isn't working because uh, the hockey stick scam is being exposed as far as measuring temperatures. The Earth isn't really heating up anymore. Satellite data doesn't support it. So let's shift from global warming mm-hmm. to, quote, climate change. And in that way, no matter what the temperature is, we're going to say that uh, we're right about its CO2 emissions causing it. Never mind the fact we've had record low numbers of major hurricanes and wildfires and tornadoes, tornadoes over the last 10 to 15 years when we were supposed to have record highs. So this is all a bunch of bogus baloney, I'm telling you. So if you're buying an electric vehicle because you feel like you need to do your part to save the planet, okay, Don't. then I would argue you're being naive that's and right. uneducated. Well, and get but if you want to buy an electric vehicle for other reasons, that's fine. Exactly. Which, again, we'll get into, and, and I just want to add and tag on to, Bob, what you said a moment and, and I know this. I also know that they're going to create X amount of EV vehicles period, but the amount of energy and what you're doing to the earth to create the batteries that go in them, you actually should probably be ashamed of yourself for buying one in the first place. The slave labor, everything else that goes into creating the the materials, the, the raw materials that go into these particular vehicles especially, uh, is concerning. Again, one of those things that we'll probably get into from a Christian standpoint. Did it keep me from buying one? No, I gave all those reasons earlier as to why I did. I just felt like for me and and trying to learn about them and be able to speak on air about them, uh, you know, accurately and so on, it was just important for me to do that. I know also know Bob that we're probably close to a break, so I'll probably let you take that. Right. We are let's let's do that and then we're going to continue this discussion here on the National Crawford Roundtable and we're asking everybody that listens to this roundtable to put some skin in the game to save unborn babies' lives. And you do this through Preborn. Now remember, Preborn partners with pro-life pregnancy centers to provide ultrasound images to moms of of their unborn babies. And those moms choose life 80% of the time. 80%. So this is really important to do, but it takes money. It's been calculated it takes about $28 on average to save one baby's life, to stop one abortion. A lot of you, as our listeners, have already donated to Preborn, and we appreciate that. If you have not yet, here's what it boils down to. We're asking everybody to donate one time $280 to save 10 babies' lives. Would you do that? $280 to save 10 babies' lives. Here's all you got to do. Go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And click on the tab, the preborn tab, right? CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the preborn tab. 100% of your gift goes directly to ultrasounds, not overhead. And it's a tax write off for you. If you want to donate over the phone, you can call right now. It's 24 7. They man the phones. 833 850 BABY. All right? 833 850 BABY. So everybody get involved. $280, 10 babies' lives. What do you say? Go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. 
and click on the tab for preborn. Okay, let's do this as we continue the National Crawford Roundtable, uh, talking with John and Roger, myself, Bob, Neil Boron. Be back with us next week. Talk about EVs, electric vehicles. So, uh, John, you own an electric vehicle. Okay, yes. not for environmentalists, uh, no. radical environmentalist reasons, but for other benefits. What are the pros and cons? I mean, what's the best part of owning an EV, and what's the worst part of it? Best part about an EV, they're fast. Yeah. All right. They are now, fast. Now, fast as far as quick acceleration yes. or fast as far as how, you know, driving on the Autobahn? Uh, both. Uh, you know, depending okay. upon where you're at and what you're doing. But, you know, keep in mind with an electric motor, there's mm-hmm. no lag time like in a combustion engine where you, where you have to let RPMs come up and a transmission has to cooperate and everything has to work just right to be able to get you even moving to begin with. With an electric vehicle, literally, you mash on the pedal and off you go. Anybody that's driven some of the old electric go-karts and things like that, it's kind of that way yeah. of thinking. And their instantaneous power, they are literally, and I'm not exaggerating, guys, they are a total blast to drive. If you're a car person or you enjoy just the feel of driving in general, it's one of those things where when somebody gets in one, they're pretty much sold because that part of it is second to none. You cannot get that same feeling out of even, and I own some very high performance other types of cars, and I will tell you that my Chevy Bolt is about as quick of a car as anything I own from from probably zero to 40. John, can I ask really? you a, a quick question? Yes. Here in the People's Republic, we have a lot of electric car owners, as you know, because, you know, Omar and AOC and, you know, free hugging. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they, they want to do that. But it seems like every time I'm on the road in my gas-powered, you know, four-door sedan behind one of these guys, it seems like they're driving super slow. Is this, and I'm asking sincerely, is this a, something you know because you're a car guy, how the engine works so you can floor it and move, and the others are driving a little more cautiously? Or are, are there some models that don't have, maybe they, they might must be hybrids or something like that that don't have well, the same Well, yeah. And th- and th- no, great question, Roger. And by the way, yes, there are hybrids. In fact, Toyota's gone that direction more than total full plug-in EVs. In other words, they're doing their best to try to compensate for a lot of what's happening in the marketplace by going the hybrid route versus the total EV route. So great question, Roger. Hybrids typically, though, are pretty powerful. They're combining an ICE engine, you know, an internal combustion engine engine into a system whereby there's some battery help and, and still an electric motor driving the wheels and so on, and they actually work pretty well. Now, I will also say that Along those lines, Roger, range anxiety, which is still a big deal when it comes to EVs, and everybody knows, myself included, the harder I drive my car, the less range I have. So if I'm looking to maximize range, yes, I'm going to have to keep my foot out of the accelerator. Otherwise, just like a gas engine, the more I'm on the accelerator, the more power that I'm using. In the case of an ICE engine, it's more gas. In this case, it's more electricity. I'm depleting my supply of electricity. Think of it that way. The harder I drive the car. Fair enough. Okay. okay. Makes sense? Uh, it does. Yeah, all right. It certainly does. Yeah. Now, what what, what is what is the, the worst part of owning an EV? Range. Range. Is, I mean, literally. That, so that's, you know, that is pretty much then the worst? Yeah. And, and, and this goes to, you know, goes back to, you know, the White House coming out and saying, well, if you don't like gas prices, just go buy an EV. Well, I'm, guys, I'm fortunate and I'm very, very blessed. In fact, if you'd have told me you know, 40 years ago that I'd be where I am today and be able to do some of the things that I do, including being with you guys on a daily basis, I would have, you know, laughed in your face. The Lord has, you know, blessed me immensely. I have the ability to own an EV 
and several other vehicles so that if I want to leave the Denver metro area and travel farther than, you know, because here's how mine works. In the summertime, I have about 270 miles of range. In the wintertime, that drops to a little under 200 miles in range because mm. the cold is harder on the battery. So they lose 30% in cold weather, which, again, you never hear from news media at all. So range anxiety is a big deal. Range is a big deal. I'm fortunate where if I'm going to take a road trip, I just go hop in another car and off I go. But if you were going to replace your daily driver with an EV, your ability to go from, you know, if I'm going to go see Roger in Southern California, even though there's charge stations all along the way, and by the way, there's lots of documentation and videos out there now of people trying to do this. That's an arduous trip. Uh, it is much easier to, 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 you know, hop in an ICE vehicle, fill up at a gas station and go see Roger than me trying to get out there with my Chevy Bolt. And what about okay, the now, charge, well, what about the charging time too? When you're at home, because you mentioned range anxiety would be an issue for you. For yep. me, it would be, hey, if I'm a little bit low and I plug it in at night, go to bed. I want to wake up in the morning and make sure I'm fully charged to get where I need to go. Great question, and and this is another thing that conservatives get off when it comes to even costs of an EV and so on, because there's several ways vehicles can be charged. So, great question, Roger. In my case, I have an in-home charge station, which, again, because I'm a, a handy guy and I shopped around and I found a charge station for about half price on, on Amazon, I was able to put a charge station in my garage for about 400 bucks. In most cases, add a zero to that minimum. That's what most people are paying to put a charge station in their home. So, again, I'm fortunate because of some of the things I know that you know I can do and get things handled and so on. In my case, Roger... When I charge in my home here, it's a 240-volt charger, 40-amp, and I get 50 miles of range per hour of charge. So my trip down and back to the station, I average about 75, 80 miles a day. So I come home at night, plug in. All I need really is a couple of hours to be totally full for the next day, and, and off I go. And frankly, guys, I've really never been at a point where you know range anxiety was an issue. And for those that are wondering... Every EV will warn you and start to tell you that, hey, you're getting, you're getting low on you know, stored power. You, know, you need to find a charge station. I, I mean, yes, they can be driven far enough to where you're calling a tow truck to go to the next spot to get charged up. Now, the other way of charging, and this is another misconception, there is what they call fast charge stations. And here's the other thing that nobody knows or most people don't know. It's not necessarily... Make sure I say this correctly. It's not universal yet when it comes to charging. And let me explain. Tesla has its own full network of chargers, and even the plug that goes in the car is Tesla-specific. Every other manufacturer uses a different type of plug, mine included. If I want to go to a Tesla charge station, I have to have an adapter, and I'm now paying mm-hmm. in the Tesla network to get charged. That's on the regular 240-volt, you know, 40, 50-amp charge bases. There is direct current, so DC. There is direct current charge stations. Tesla has some of those. There's some others out there as well. The direct current charge stations will cost you more per kilowatt than a regular 240-volt station will. I'm not sure exactly why. I'm guessing because they're having to convert that energy from AC to DC. And for all of the people out there, and I don't want to get super technical, but every EV runs on DC, direct current. 
It's about 400 amps of direct current. So no matter how you're charging, if you don't have direct current going back in to charge that battery, and that's why, by the way, they're called a fast charger, because in my case, I can get an entire charge on a fast charger in probably 15 minutes, but those are really rare and typically cost more to get that charge you know, built up into the battery. Most are plugging into a 240 AC type, you know, type charger to get things charged up. But every single, every single EV, converts the AC current into DC to charge its own battery, and that's all on board every EV. Okay. Now, the charging stations that that you have out there, uh, you say that they're all over the place, but... Exactly. I mean, how many of them are there in relation to uh, regular gas stations? Oh. You know, if if I if I'm driving down a road, if I drive past 100 gas stations, mm-hmm. uh, how many uh, electric vehicle charging stations would I have also passed by the time I passed 100 gas stations? Just Maybe on 20. average. Maybe 20. And this what? is my real world that experience. That many? Maybe 20. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my I gosh, mean, that's so, way more so than I would have expected. Is, no, there's so there's apps. I mean, just like a lot of other technology things yeah, that are sure. out there. I I have an app. I happen to use the Charge Point app, but there's others out there. It's the same charger that I have in my home. So I've got a Charge Point app. The Charge Point app on a map tells me where all these local chargers are. Now, here's some of the other kickers to own an EV. Some of the other pluses, by the way, Bob. So thank you, taxpayers, right. by the way, because there are certain cities. We have one nearby. Golden is not far from where. I live. Actually, my address is in in Golden, so I can actually go over to the city of Golden and park in some of the downtown areas where there's chargers, and as long as I'm charging, um, there are certain times where I don't have to pay. Hmm. It's free. Interesting. And some cities, to encourage, which again, I don't like, but it is what it is, some cities will offer you free parking and free charging depending upon the city and the municipality and what they're doing to encourage okay, that. Okay, the conservative in me is, my eye is twitching a little I know. bit when I think about that. Okay, <laughs> but I'll t- John, hang on a second, because I want to go a little bit deeper into that and some other things about it. We're talking all things electric vehicles in this uh, episode of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We'll continue the discussion in just a moment. want to remind everybody that we continue to ask you to stop abortions and save babies' lives by donating to preborn. A lot of you have already ready. We appreciate that. There's a lot of the rest of you that maybe you haven't yet. Maybe now's the time to do it if you would. Okay, remember, preborn partners with pro-life pregnancy centers showing ultrasound images to those moms of their babies. And those moms choose life 80% of the time when they see that ultrasound image. Okay, but it takes money to do this. $28 is all it takes to save one baby's life. That's why we ask everybody, Donate $280 one time that saves 10 babies' lives. Look, if you can do more than that, uh, we got people that do $2,800 and you save 100 babies' lives. I mean, that's great, but whatever you can do, please consider doing this. And by the way, an ultrasound machine costs $15,000. You can save thousands of babies' lives by buying one ultrasound machine for preborn. Would you consider doing that? Maybe you're a business owner, be a nice tax write off. Maybe God's just blessed you financially. Uh, so, either way, whether it's $280 for 10 babies, $2,800 for 100 babies, or $15,000 for a machine, here's what you do go right now online to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and just click on the preborn tab. You can donate right there. All right, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab. Remember, last year alone, Preborn saved just under 44,000 babies' lives. 
And along the way, there were just under 8,000 decisions for Jesus Christ, okay? That's what your money is going to. So please go right now, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, donate what you can. And if you want to donate over the phone, you can do that right now too, 833-850-BABY. They answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So 833-850-BABY. As we talk electric vehicles here on the uh, National Crawford Roundtable, our own John Rush is an owner of an electric vehicle. We're getting all the pros and cons from him. John, what you were saying earlier about the amount of uh, of electric charging stations, I got to admit that that is surprising the daylights out of me. I would not have thought you'd had a you'd have a one to five ratio of uh, electric vehicle stations versus gas stations because gas stations gas stations are on every corner. There's there's intersections where you got four gas stations mm-hmm. on the corner. So if I drive if I drive five miles, depending on the road that I'm on, I can easily pass. 50 gas stations, you know, Correct. 40, well, maybe 30 gas stations, 50 possibly. So uh, there are that. So when I'm driving, next time I'm driving down a road and I'm like, okay, I've passed like 15 gas stations in the last five minutes, you're going to tell me that there's probably about three. Uh, electric vehicle charging stations also that I passed. I would think so. Now, and I don't know. I I don't know where you know how Detroit works compared to where I'm guessing Rogers similar to us. You know, we've been kind of in Denver on that bandwagon of putting more and more of these things in. Not even. Yeah. And I will say this here in town, it's not even been an incentivized things. A lot of companies. I mean, I did a car show this last Saturday at a a company here in town. Don't want to name some names, but we we it was at a company, and in their company employee parking lot were two. Char- Charge stations. So there's a lot of buildings going in here in the Denver area where they'll have a charge station. By the way, this parking lot, as long as you knew where where it was and it was on the map, that's not gated or anything. You could pull in at pretty much any time, and and you know it's a it's an app driven. There's going to be a charge. They're not giving you the electricity, but yeah, you could stop and charge. And again, this is please nobody take what I said at face value. You need to get an app and look for yourself to determine how many charge stations do you have in your area. But a lot of companies will allow other people outside of their even own workforce to charge at their charge station as long as they're paying. Are, are these usually standalone charge stations, or are yes. they connected like hybrids with uh, gas stations? No, no. These are typically all standalone. You'll find them kind of in obscure places. A lot of, you know, for example, a lot of city parking garages will have four to six of them somewhere. In, and this is, again, not. I'm not – I'm thanking you guys – but typically, those are the mm-hmm. best parking spots in the garage, by the way. So not only do I, in some cases, get free electricity, but I get the best parking place there is on top of it. Um, and again, not saying mm-hmm. I agree with that, but am I going to take advantage of it? Well, why wouldn't I? Where do we download the John's Perks app or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> really, tell me, <laughs> tell me about it. opportunity coming uh, up here. Let's uh, actually. I'm going to give John a chance to to answer that. And there's a lot more about EVs that we want to explore, and we're going to do that on the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable. Uh, if you aren't able to listen to the second half on your regular radio station, just go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. 
You can listen to us right there, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, and uh, of course you can uh, give us. You can review the show. You can listen to past episodes. You can also listen to us Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you uh, listen. We appreciate that. Always those five star reviews. And if you want to watch video of what we're doing, that's uh, at uh, MyHopeNow.com. So the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable coming up next. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. Continuing the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco, uh, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, we have Roger Marsh of the bottom line from the People's Republic of California. Neil Boron not with us this week. Neil Boron sitting under a palm tree somewhere. Hope you're having fun, Neil. We look forward to having you back next week. And, uh, of course, we're talking this week about EVs, electric vehicles, all the ups and downs, the pros and cons, separating fact from fiction. And, uh, John, you've been telling us about, of course, you own an electric vehicle and the charging stations where people can go. Roger said uh, kind of jokingly, hey, you know, where is this great app to be able to get all this stuff? But uh, it is pretty simple to do, right, John, to yes, just uh, you can just look up an app for, hey, where are the nearest uh, charging stations? And then that way people can always see it on their phone through that app. Correct. Right. Great. Like I said, okay. I use ChargePoint, but there are others out there. And Tesla, of course, has its own complete network as well. And there are apps out there that will combine all of the different brands, if you would, of charge stations so you know where they are. Now, the thing you have to be careful of, and this is where it gets really confusing on the EV side, and one of the big drawbacks, I think, is, you know, I'm a technical guy. I, You know, you, you guys can kind of tell I eat, breathe, live. You know, this is kind of my world outside right. of what I do on a daily basis on the show. And so, you know, I love this this type of stuff, and I love cars. But I will tell you that if you're not me and you're trying to decipher what station can I go to, where can I charge, where can I not, I will tell you that it is extremely confusing at times. And again, one of the things that somehow, some way, they're going to have to figure out how to get things on the same page, like fuel stations, to your point, Bob, because that's easy. Find a gas station, pull in, put the nozzle in, put your credit card in, off you go. I mean, done deal. It's not quite that easy with EV charge stations. The other thing that happens, which, which again, nobody's talking about, and this is my fear of doing, and I'm not trying to be racist here, but they're talking about doing EV charge stations all over, including inner cities. Guys, I can't tell you, even in the Denver area here, how many charge stations I go to that have been vandalized, broken, and no longer operate because of mm. what I just said. They've got to figure out a better way of handling that end of it, or you're going to have these things broken all over the U.S. Well, John, that makes yeah. a lot of sense, because even you were talking about the, the speed, you know, the efficiency of what you can do as far as a charging station goes. I, I have to admit, as we've been having this conversation, one of the things that is appealing to me is I know what my time is worth during the course of the day. Correct. And I know that even if I have to wait in line at a Costco or something like that for gas, there are other things I could be doing. But the minute I engage the transaction, it takes me, what, a couple minutes to fill the tank and then move on. You know, So it's, it's all right there. So I realize I'm paying road taxes for driving in gas that's built, baked into the gas cost and et cetera, et cetera. But you're right. If somebody's there, even with a fast charge, it's going to take them, what, 10, 15 minutes potentially? Right. But you're, just, you're kind of a sitting duck at that point. Th these are not vehicles. Design, in my opinion, 
These are not vehicles designed to go find a charge station and travel long distances. These are designed to come home. And by the way, here's some of the keys that I feel are necessary in owning an EV. And again, there's going to be people out there, even the White House probably would argue with me. But first off, you need a secondary vehicle. Because if you want to go long distance, you better have a, a, a Petro, you know, a regular ICE engine to go long distances. You also need to have a place inside. Again, these are vehicles that don't like extreme cold weather. They just don't handle that well. Could you park an EV outside and charge it? Absolutely. But the best way to handle these is to have a garage that you park in, which, by the way, not everybody has, and then have your charge station in the garage that you plug into at night. So, Roger, in your case, you come home, you pull in the garage, you plug in. The next day, you're ready to go. You're never, I mean, rarely, guys, unless I'm going to travel around, do I have to go find a charge station. I'm full. Now, that's the plus side, by the way. I'm full every morning when I get up to go do whatever it is I'm going to go do. I've got, in the summertime, 270 miles of range. And in the wintertime, I've got 200 miles range. And by the way, 200 miles for most people is more than they'll ever do in a single day. I don't sure. care what time of the year it is. Sure. Now, what about this road tax thing, though? I mean, because I, again, this is something I'm not, not aware of. But it. you say that, you know, how is it that you get out of a road tax? Is this just a, a deduction off your taxes at the no, end of the year? You're, you're not paying, you're not buying any gas. So all the road tax is built into our gasoline. I, in the state of got Colorado, it, and it's it. different for every world, mm-hmm. of course, every mm-hmm. area of the country. Right. Uh, we in Colorado, I pay an additional $25 a year in registration fees for this car to quote unquote make up that road tax, which, by the way, isn't even close to making up. Okay. Now, uh, there's... Oh, I can't believe I'm... I cringe thinking about this, but shouldn't electronic vehicle... Electric vehicle owners, shouldn't they have some kind of thing where they have to also contribute to the road taxes? And I cringe saying that because there's part of me that's like, no, if you have an opportunity to get away with not paying taxes, lower taxes, quite frankly, I think we're overtaxed in this country as it is, but it does still, there, there is still no escaping the reality that you're tearing up the road and creating potholes just like the rest well, of and, us and are. Bob, stop for, stop for one minute, because I want to make sure that I go into that for a second. This is another misconception people have. Okay. The average person out there doesn't realize that a Tesla, so a Tesla Model S, Ford or Model S, you see them running around all over the place, mm-hmm. do you know that weighs the same as an F-150? What? Wow, Really? Yes. Wow. It's that heavy? What's it made out of, plutonium? No, batteries are very heavy, guys. They're very dense and very heavy. Okay. Uh, EV vehicles are not light like everybody thinks. They're actually very heavy vehicles. A Tesla weighs about 4,200 pounds uh, or 4,400 pounds roughly. That's what an F-150 weighs. Well, then you should be paying a higher road tax you than the should. rest of us to drive you, normal cars. You are correct, Bob. That is, again, I, I Now, let me ask you as a libertarian, though. But what about as a, as a libertarian? Look, you and I, John, we both hate the idea of increased taxes. We know that we're overtaxed in this country. So there's part of me that feels like, okay, good, EV driver, enjoy that loophole. Last thing I want to do is say, uh, let's increase taxes for anybody in this country. But, you know, as we have a growing number of electric vehicles, is it fair to go ahead and say, look, you know what, We're, the rest of us are paying road taxes. Uh, you should, too. You should have a special provision on your tax form at the end of yes. the year. What do you think? Well, I, I think the way it should work in every area of the country is that you could average that out. You know, I, There's averages to where everybody... Uh, yeah. 
just real quick, in, insider industry secrets. Most everybody drives between twelve and fifteen thousand miles a year. That's the average in the auto industry. It's how we figure, you know, customer return. You know, you know how many visits they have, so on. So, anyways, twelve to fifteen thousand miles a year is on average what people drive. All a municipality or you know a county would have to do is say, okay, if the average person drives, you know. 14,000 miles, let's you know, come halfway in between there somehow, 13,5, whatever the magic number is, and if they were buying regular fuel at, say, 30 miles to the gallon, their road tax would have been X. We are now going to start charging every EV X in road tax. It'll go right into the road tax fund, which, by the way, my $25 probably is not, probably going to some Colorado slush fund somewhere. It doesn't even go back into the road tax end of it, but that's the proper way of doing it. I am opposed to having any kind of a reading that says exactly how many miles a year you're driving. I don't want to go down that road. I want them to average it and everybody pays the same. If you own an EV, done deal. Okay, that's kind of, boy, averaging is really rough because the, the amount of driving that people, the the variance of driving, John, is, I mean, let's face it, you got the little old lady who goes to church once a week. She's not on an EV though, so it doesn't matter. Well, okay. Uh, so you think uh, you think when you get just to EV, but theoretically, if the ratio of EV to petro cars uh, narrows more and more, we're going to get more electron electric vehicles on the road, and so yeah, you know, twenty years from now, maybe you know, we we might at that point, Bob, you know, some twenty years from now, get to the point where even the you know the little old lady that drives to church on Sundays has an EV. Although I I'm not sure even at that point that's the case. That's the other thing nobody ever talks about in the White House and in the news media. Our average age of the fleet right now in the United States of America is 12.6 years old and growing, right. by the way, every year. Sure. So think about the average and how long it's going to take to even, even if everybody went out and immediately bought one, you know, how long that, you know, every time they want a new car, they buy an EV instead is my point. So every time they go buy a car, which they're not right now, because even EV sales today are less than 5% of total overall sales. So if you think about how mm-hmm. long it's going to take to infiltrate the entire 275 million vehicles we have on the road in the United States of America, guys, we're not even close to being able to do an EV in every driveway yet. Not even close. Okay. Uh, as as a libertarian, though, I know you hate the idea of telling the government how many miles you've driven. But with regular cars, when you do gas deductions for your when you're itemized, you, you put down, hey, here's how many miles I've driven times, you know, the fifty eight yes. whatever it is cents a mile that you get. So you're already revealing that information to enjoy a tax you benefit. Could do so are you really violating privacy to. issues? Not yeah, really. Okay. I mean, it's up to them as to what they want to report. They don't have to report anything if they don't want to. So I guess at that point, it still comes back to them and what do they want to report. So you could go to a right. system like that as well, Bob. Roger, what do you think? Are you sold? You ready to buy an EV? Nope. Um, not, not by a long <laughs> shot. You know, and, and again, I, I really have appreciated what John has shared You know about the whole you mm-hmm. know, the, the, the pros and cons. And, and the reason why, quite frankly, is because... John bought his for the same reason I wouldn't buy mine, and that's we're capitalists. You know, we want what's right for the market. You know, John had every reason to buy his, to try them out, to drive mm-hmm. them very quickly. You know, to, to, uh, the the fascinating parts about you know you get 200 miles of charge range in the summer and 200 in the winter because of weather. I mean, I'm really enjoying this, and I have a daughter and son-in-law who one has a Honda Insight that's completely electric, I believe, and then the other one is a Toyota Rav4 that's a hybrid, and mm-hmm. they have long commutes from Orange County into L.A. And my son-in-law works for a company that has a charging station and one of the perks of working there is while you're working for eight hours you get to you know re- reboot if you want to yeah it, yep. it, it really Great is perk. but again the company wanted to offer that 
and he took the job not for that reason, but it was like, oh, look at this perk. He also has a an HSA as opposed to a conventional uh, uh, health insurance thing, and he's he's loving that too. the The issue that I have, and I think we all have, is we have we've had mandates here in the People's Republic of California for years. Governor Mussolini wants to make sure that everybody no more uh, unelectric cars are sold. I think by twenty thirty or twenty. We have the same thing in Colorado, by the yeah. way. That's the exact right. same law we have. Well, okay, so if 5% of the fleet in the United States is electric right now, there's no way you're going to turn that around in seven nope. years and eight years. Nope. Just, it's physically impossible. They, guys, and, they, can, they can't, even GM, Ford, you know, all of the other manufacturers, the reality is the math doesn't allow them to even make that happen, Roger. There's not enough rare earth raw materials. I sent you guys both an article yesterday talking about General Motors, and they feel like they've got enough to get to where they want to go by 2030 currently. But guys, I mean that's that's one company that doesn't count everybody else out there. Right. And, and bottom line, this is something that I didn't really even throw into our notes, but just came to my mind. This is the other part of the EV side of the fence. I hate. I'll be frank. I hate. Where do all these rare earth metals come from, guys? Who owns who owns the majority of rare earth metals in the world? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not us. I'll tell you what. Let, let's let's dive into that part of it. And there's a few other things I want to ask you about as well, like how long these things last, what kind of repair okay. issues are involved with them, and such. Yep. Uh, we got a lot more EV discussion to have here on the National Crawford Roundtable. In the meantime, we continue to ask all of you to donate to Preborn to save some babies' lives. Remember, Preborn partners with pro-life centers all across all across the country, folks, and they show ultrasound images of these babies to the moms, and the moms let the babies live when they see ultrasound images, but it takes money to do this. So $28 saves one baby's life. We're asking everybody to don- donate $280 to save 10 babies' lives to stop 10 abortions. Is it worth it to you to do that? Hey, if you could do more, we got people to do $2,800 and save 100 babies' lives. But whatever you can do, we're asking everybody $280, 10 babies' lives. We also need somebody out there to donate $15,000 one time to buy an ultrasound machine. That'll save thousands of babies' lives. What a legacy that would be for your business, huh? Or your family. Maybe God's blessed you financially. So here's how you can donate to Preborn right now. Uh, just go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn tab. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab. You can also give them a call because they answer the phones 24-7 at 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. Just mention the National Crawford Roundtable when you call. But it's all a tax write-off. 100% of the money goes to ultrasound images, whatever you donate, not a penny for overhead. And remember, Preborn saved, what, just under 44,000 babies' lives last year. And there were just under 8,000 decisions for Jesus Christ along the way. So this is a really good use of your money, folks. Uh, go right now, CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the Preborn tab and donate. Let's save some babies' lives. Huh? So we continue the National Crawford Roundtable with myself, with John Rush, with Roger Marsh. Neil Boron will be back with us next week. We're talking about all things electric vehicles. And what about, uh, what about John, the, uh, the repair aspect of these? First of all, how long do they last? How eventually I got to change the battery inside my gasoline car, and that's 150 bucks to go get a new battery and put it in. Okay, fine. Uh, what about uh, an electric vehicle? How long does that battery last, and what's the expense to exchange it? Great question. This one can get deep. I'll try to cover it as quickly as I can. Depends on. Mm-hmm. 
the manufacturer and in some cases depending upon the manufacturer of the car and the year of the car it's a throwaway car uh, a Nissan really? Leaf for example an older Nissan Leaf uh, that car is not worth fixing today the battery costs far more than the car is worth some of the old Ford Focus plug-ins the battery is worth far more money the replacement value is worth far more money than the car is today that's a throwaway vehicle so it really comes down to the, the vehicle itself what battery technology they use which there's about three different types of technology that's used depending upon the vehicle most people don't realize this but in a Tesla there's about I don't know 3,000 roughly little little larger than a AA battery that are all put together you know they're all soldered together if you would they're all connected and in a Tesla believe it or not if just one if just one of those batteries goes bad the car is inoperable hmm. wow doesn't work oh my wow. gosh. Well, that's kind of scary. Now, now, the repair costs, though, you know, back to that. So here's the thing other people, you know, most people don't know. They're hard on tires because the regenerative braking and the heaviness, we got into that a little bit ago, of an EV right. vehicle, they're hard on tires. I mean, they will chew up a set of tires twice as fast as a normal okay, car wears. Well. So if you've got a car that'll go forty to 50,000 miles, plan on putting tires on your EV at 25,000 miles or maybe a tad more. But, but they're going to eat up tires really, really fast because of the weight and the regenerative braking. Outside of that, there is things, believe it or not, there are fluids and things on an EV that still have to be serviced, but it's much longer in a time frame than what you'd find on a regular ICE vehicle. All in all, your maintenance on an EV will be substantially less than what it is on an ICE vehicle. Okay, so you don't have to worry about replacing the fuel injector. No. <laughs> Safe no, to say. You're not doing any of that. I mean, now the electronic side, you know, back to your point of how expensive are these to fix, it depends. If you have no issues, not a problem. You can drive that car mm -hmm. for, you know, there's some, some vehicles out there, you know, some of the uh, older EVs, even some of the, the Chevy and Hondas, as, as uh, uh, Roger was talking about earlier, some of those cars will go 150 to 200,000 miles on the original battery pack with no problem at all. Depends on the technology, who built it, and so on. Uh, but the repair side of that, once it does need repaired, so the Tesla, for example, the average battery replacement, if you go to Tesla dealer, is about $20,000. So if the car is worth 20 and it takes 20 to put a battery in it, it's not worth fixing. Now, there are some aftermarket folks. There's a guy down in Phoenix that actually does replacement or he does repairs of Tesla batteries and cut them back in, and he can do it for about half of that. So in that case, is it worth doing? But it's still an expensive you know, $10,000 to put a battery in a Tesla, even on the aftermarket end of it. It's still very expensive. That's the part that I don't think anybody is thinking all the way through, and I know the White House isn't, Bob, because they don't think that far ahead. Right. Well, because I'm I'm wondering about this as far as the longevity goes. Uh, vehicles right now, most of the cars that people buy today, if you typically I buy a car that's uh, used a couple years old. I let somebody okay. else uh, pay for the depreciation of the car, sure. and I'll buy a car. Usually, it's about two years old. That's my mo. Uh, but I got to tell you, these cars, we're getting 300,000 miles oh, out of easy. cars easy. Uh, these days. Okay. Yes. Look, the, the car I drive right now is still in decent shape. It runs great. I got 260,000 miles on that car. And I'm like, I got a long way to go. It's not yes. collapsing at all. Uh, and, and so by the way, the engine will probably be one of the last things to give up. You'll have other issues elsewhere outside of the engine because it'll go much farther than that even. Right. So when you buy an electric vehicle, are you saying then that the average mileage that you're going to get out of a battery on average is 150 to 200,000 miles? That's Right now, that's what they're seeing. Some are less, by the okay. way. Some are more. Sure. But yeah, I would okay. say that's the average. Um, there, I mean, there are some EVs out there that 
you know, if they've been cared for well. And again, just like any other battery and any other device, you guys know how that works. There's certain ways to right. do the battery charging and so on. And some of the vehicles and the manufacturers have put onboard software in that help with that so that they can keep that battery life up. And those are the smarter companies, by the way. But some companies mm-hmm. that just, you know, let, let you charge at will, if you would, and there's no smart charging, you know, quote unquote, yeah, those batteries right. are not going to last as long as the others. What kind of warranty do they typically give? Because, you know, you can buy a car. 100,000. See, that's on not, the battery. Okay, well, it's not very much of a warranty if you're spending 60, 70 grand uh, for a vehicle. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's another one, too. It, Bob, again, glad you brought that up, too. Because, yeah, there are, some, there are some EVs out there that are 150 grand. There are some right. that are 70 to 80. Uh, you know, the new Hummer, H, you know, new Hummer EV that came out, sure. it brought over $200,000 because they were bringing over sticker price. Uh, the Ford Lightnings are in the low 100s right now because nobody's selling them at a full sticker price. I mean, there's a few guys, but for the most part, you're paying over sticker for those. I mean, my Chevy Bolt that I can buy in the high 30s, low 40s ends up being one of the best, in my opinion. It's the best value EV on the road today, by the way. So I'll give a plug for Chevrolet. It's the best value out there. Hmm. Wow. Well, I just That's I know I when you it. buy a gas vehicle, right? Sure. I know you get buy a gas vehicle. Uh, the big thing is, oh, I don't want the transmission to go out because that's going to be several thousand mm-hmm. dollars to to fix that. And some cars, you know, a hundred thousand miles, oh, transmission's going out already. Okay, well, you know, drop five grand. Uh, the car I'm driving right now, two hundred sixty thousand miles, still got the original transmission. It's not even slipping yet. Okay, so you know that's great. Goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 my goodness, don't you have kind of the same situation here? Hey, hope I get uh, two hundred thousand miles out of this battery, but I might only get a hundred and five thousand miles out of it. Uh, do you have that kind of variance as well? Yes, and these are vehicles that, again, okay. guys, we, how do I say this? White House always talks about, government always talks about how they want to get rid of all these class distinctions, right? We hear that all the time. We've got to level the playing field. You've know, you got to take from this to give to them so that everything's level. I'll be honest, guys, and they're not going to like me saying this. EVs make this worse, and here's why. I'm a guy, right. I can go buy a new one. I can go buy a new one every four or five years if I want to and never worry about getting to that 100,000-mile mark, Bob, because I'm going to sell it, trade it, do whatever I want to do prior to that and go get another one. But guess who gets my leftover? Who? The people that can't afford to buy a new one. That's right. And they end up with all the problems you just mentioned and ends up compounding itself, which, again, this whole class warfare they talk about, in my opinion, EVs will make that worse, not better. Well, yeah, I don't want to go – I don't want to spend – 25 or 30 grand on a used EV that's already got, you know, 80,000 miles on the battery. And how do I know that that battery's not going to die in another 40,000 miles? You don't, miles? because you can do all the inspections today and still have it fail in a week. Really? Yes, wow, because see, that's... I mean, think about a battery and, you know, think about the battery in your cell phone. Today it works, tomorrow it doesn't. What if you'd right. had it checked yesterday? Well, it would have checked out fine. Tomorrow it doesn't. That's how that part of it works. I don't know, Roger. That 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 makes me that much more leery about EVs. It seems. Yeah, I mean, there's there, there's that unreliability. And John, you mentioned something I wanted to uh, uh, circle back around to as well, because one of the reasons why we're being told we need electric vehicles is to save the planet, right? That's Cut right. Down the carbon footprint, 
etc., cetera, etc., cetera, electricity. We haven't even gotten into the sources of electricity. You know, in some states right. like Iowa, 70% of it's wind generated, but Texas has an issue like that too. But in other places like here, we've got a lot of coal, you know, that's creating the electricity. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily good for the environment. And then what we're seeing here in the People's Republic, we've got wind turbines coming out of our ears, and we have solar panels all over the place. And the turbines are non-recyclable. Once you break a blade on one of those that's things, right. it costs a half million dollars to take the whole thing down, and you have no place to put it. Yep. So then you've got the issue of the solar panels on houses, and once they're no longer useful, you got no place to put them. John, what is the environmental impact? You mentioned, I, I think you just kind of uh, tossed it aside by saying, look, there's most electric cars. When you're done with it, you just have to throw it away, get rid of it. I mean, All right, let's do this. Let, let's, John, uh, hang on just a second, okay, because uh, one more short break, and I want to give you a chance to answer that question of Rogers uh, as we continue this National Crawford Roundtable. Uh, one more time, I want to ask everybody listening, okay, if you have not yet donated to Preborn, now's your chance to do it, okay? You can go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and just click on the Preborn tab and donate whatever you can to save as many babies' lives as you can. I mean, come on. We're all pro-life. We know that. And we talk about how horrible abortion is. It's great that Roe v. Wade is overturned. But let's face it, abortion is still legal in a lot of places in this country. And so the fight to save babies' lives continues. Preborn partners with pro-life centers across the country to save babies' lives through showing ultrasound images of those babies to the moms. But it takes money to do this. $28 saves one baby's life. That's the amount, 28 bucks. Will you save 10 babies' lives by donating right now, one time, $280? Maybe you can save 100 babies' lives to 2800 but we're just asking everybody to do 280 one time, 10 babies' lives. Think about it. You, your kids, your family, everybody you know, you get to go to bed at night knowing you're responsible for stopping 10 abortions, 10 people that will be walking the earth because of you and your $280. Is it worth it? I sure hope so. So here's what you do. Right now, just go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn tab. If you want to donate over the phone, uh, they answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can call right now, 833-850-BABY. I just mentioned the National Crawford Roundtable when you call. But we appreciate you doing this. Remember, thousands of women coming to Christ through Preborn. You have tens of thousands of babies being saved every year. Will you save 10 more? So CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the tab for Preborn. We appreciate you folks doing that. As we talk about electronic vehicles here on this episode of the podcast. So, John, you're an electronic vehicle owner. Question that Roger asked, what about the environmental impact of this? Uh, for all the people that are saying, you got, we got to go electric vehicles because we have to save Mother Earth. We have to mm-hmm. save the planet. We have to stop CO2 emissions. Uh, it seems to me that if that's your driving motivation, that there's some huge downsides to electric vehicles as well, are there not? I mean, how are they yeah. really for the quote-unquote environment? Awful. Um, if I just said in, in the very first half of it, if you're buying one to save Mother Earth, which she doesn't need saved, but if that's what you're doing, think again because you should just be walking if that's really what you want to do at the end of the day or riding right. a bike because driving any vehicle is, is going to do some environmental quote-unquote harm if you want to look at it. I don't look at it that way, but I know there's others mm-hmm. that do. Roger asked about, you know, even the batteries coming out, what's happening, the recycling, and so on. I, I will say there, guys, that I'm 
probably a little more optimistic, and, and I understand the capitalistic nature of things, and as more companies look at the amount of EVs that will be coming off of the roads and the opportunity there to do some recycling of those you know, rare earth materials that can then go back into new production, whether it's in EV vehicles or it's in you know, cell phones, I do think that the, that the capitalistic nature of things will, will, will fix that on its own. There's numerous different companies out there now that are getting into that world of recycling. I will tell you right now, it's not that big. There's not a lot of companies, but I could see that one growing. And that one I'm not as concerned about as I just am this whole you know, forcing of them on us. Really, they're being shoved down our throats. I don't like that. If people want to buy one, buy one. If you don't, don't. But I hate this, A, the subsidies that go along with them, and on top of that, just this continual barrage of, hey, if you don't like high prices, then go buy an EV. By the way, that's the dumbest thing yeah. out there. I've done the math. I've done it on my show. Right. In fact, I even put a chart up on my website talking about how you are not going to save any money buying an EV at all, period. The, the payoff right. is 10 plus years, guys. Wow. Well, of course, when it comes to gas prices, keep in mind, uh, Joe Biden is bringing gas prices down per piece on. So it's important that that people understand. Oh, and can I just say on a side note, how many times did we hear from Joe Biden when gas was over $5 a gallon average in this country that, hey, the president doesn't control gas prices. This is Putin's yeah. price hike yeah. for at the gas station. But now that it's coming down, look at me bragging about what right. I'm doing. I, That's right. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think so, Scooter. Uh, you know what, though, John? I, I think about the size of the the batteries themselves and how it almost makes some of these cars disposable cars when the battery goes. Uh, I've got to imagine that the free market system over the course of the next several years is going to reduce the size of those batteries. I mean, think about computers. There used to be a time when a computer would fill up half of a room. Right. Okay. Now think about how small computers are. Look at our cell phones compared to what we all remember the first cell phone we had. Remember how big that monstrosity was? So, So I've got to imagine that the the free market and technology is going to get us to the point to where the battery is not the the overwhelming expense of the car but that they end up developing a smaller battery somehow that can almost kind of be on par with a gasoline uh, type car where it's like, oh, this battery's dead. Okay, pull that battery out. You replace it with another $500 battery instead of a $20,000 just total the car yeah. kind of thing. So is that possible I don't know, in Bob. technology, do you I think, John? Know. I don't know. I, I don't think in the next 10 years it is. What you're talking about I think will be many years down the road, if at all. Keep in mind, there are just, and I'm not an engineer with a PhD by any means, guys. You guys know me. I'm just a regular old Joe Blow, but I do know this. Storing power is not easy. It's a very hard thing to do. Storing electricity, again, is not an easy thing to do. It takes sheer size to be able to store electrons. I mean, let's face it. I mean, people don't think about that, but electricity are electrons running through a wire. That, that's, it's, like, it's like plumbing in a way. And to be able to store enough of those electrons to have the power needed to move a vehicle forward, the capacity, again, has to be substantial or you can't get the range. Yes, there's some new battery developments out there where they're trying to squeeze that down and get more range out of it. But Bob, I hate to say this, um, will we enter a day where you could just slide a pack out and slide a new one in? Um, I could see a day where some aftermarket companies make an add-on battery that would slip in, tie in, and you could change that in and out. 
I will be honest with you, knowing how these knuckleheads are at the manufacturers, I don't see them doing that. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Maybe I'm just a little bit more optimistic because I, I think of what they've been able to do with the size of computers, the size of cell phones, the well, size keep, of TVs. Real quick, though, keep in mind that the manufacturers, and I'm not trying to throw any of them under the bus, but they quit making parts for cars after 10 years. They don't care if you buy a new car every five years. In fact, they would love if you yeah. did. So their reality, Bob, is they don't care about what you just said. Right, but well, that's where the free market comes in. If you get Correct. some more elect- electric vehicle companies out there, somebody comes along and says, "Hey, look, we're uh, we, we've created the flat screen TV. You know, something the big right. box TVs become obsolete." And so maybe if somebody decides, that's true. The difference you know, is, and I think Tesla learned this the hard way. The difference is, building cars isn't building a TV. And Tesla's learned mm-hmm. that the hard way. Having a car manufacturing company, and even Tesla, you know, even, even, even Elon Musk himself has said, one of the hardest things he's ever done in life is run a car company because it's not an easy endeavor. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, very interesting discussion uh, this week on electronic uh, electric vehicles uh, with uh, myself, with John Rush, with Roger Marsh. Neil Boron will be back with us next week. And, uh, John, thanks a lot. I know you did the majority of the heavy lifting this week, but you know what? You're the uh, EV expert, so uh, thanks for carrying us through this. Well, I appreciate it. Again, I, I think, you know, in, really quick, just back to the Christian aspect of it, and I think Roger said it earlier as well. You know, Pastor Roger said this earlier. Guys, please, if you're a Christian, don't belittle someone for owning one. On the same token, if you feel yeah. like you want to own one, you know, so be it. I mean, this needs to be a choice right. for you and you alone, and it's a free market choice in my opinion. But please, as a Christian, never, never belittle someone that's riding around next to you that has an EV because you know what? They could very well be a conservative like me. You know what? Uh, maybe, Roger, you are a pastor. Maybe you could kind of give us a final thought on that because you're right. I could see people at church sitting there seeing somebody pull up next to them in an electric vehicle and just assuming, okay, well, that person's a typical liberal tree-hugging right. AOC supporter. Uh, but, you know, unless you see a coexist bumper sticker on the back of their car, you can't necessarily assume that, can you, Roger? No, you really can't. And, you know, that door swings both ways, too. It's very easy yeah. for those of us in the church who do support electric vehicles to look at someone driving a quote-unquote gas guzzler and say, well, you're not being a good steward of the resources that God's given you. Right. At the end of the day, we all have to do what we believe is right in the eyes of God after we're serving him. It's an issue Mm -hmm. of stewardship, and quite frankly, there are a lot of things we all do where we're basically, as John pointed out, it doesn't matter whether you buy an electric car or a gas-powered car. Having a car uh, increases the carbon footprint regardless. And so just because we don't sin as much, it's kind of like buying light donuts. You know, I mean, you get right down to it. They're they're still not good for you. And quite frankly, if you're going to have the donut, have the donut. You know, I mean, the the, the fat-free version isn't a whole lot better for you. But the name of the game, though, a lot of it, you've got the left and the right, and I think where the dividing line is, is motives versus intentions. You know, and I think that when you Sure. Look at ours. First and foremost, our motive always is to glorify God, is to please Him, is to right. serve Him in every way we can. And so, if you believe that an electric vehicle is actually doing something about that, and you do that with you know that's the, the motivation for the purchase, I'd say go for it. Too many politicians are saying, "Well, let's go ahead and let's have equity or this, that, and the other thing." It's all about money. It's all about how you know posturing and stuff like that. God looks at the heart first and foremost. Right. So I think if we come before him with a pure heart that says, this is what I feel led to do, then we can either drive the electric, we could not drive the electric. I mean, I have an good authority that Neil did, actually didn't make it because he's at home charging his electric car. And he's ah, there you go. Range figures have no, I just had to throw that in. But, you know, at the end of the day, though, it really does come down to who are we right. serving? Are yeah, we serving the government one. or are we serving God? And uh, yeah, I that's think right. as long Absolutely. as the three of us are here today saying we want what God wants, 
then it makes the conversation a lot easier to have. Amen. Absolutely. And by the way, just so you know, I'm all for eating uh, half the calorie donuts. I just eat twice as many of them. <laughs> there so. you go. Uh, all right, folks, we appreciate you listening to us. Uh, again, you can catch previous episodes as well at CrawfordMediaGroup.net or Apple Podcast Stitcher. Tune in wherever you listen to your podcast. We welcome your five-star reviews. Uh, you can also watch video of these podcasts at MyHopeNow.com. And so, uh, John and Roger, myself, Bob Duco, we'll have Neil back with us next week. Guys, great catching up with you. Thanks a lot. And, John, we'll let you go back and start charging your vehicle now. I'll do it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of today's culture through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to save babies now. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app. And look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.